This is Recorded Future, Inside Threat Intelligence for Cybersecurity. Hello, everyone. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire. Thanks for joining us for Episode 12 of the Recorded Future podcast. It's fair to say that threat intelligence has achieved buzzword status in the cybersecurity world, and that often leads to confusion as providers and customers alike try to make sense of the excitement surrounding a hot technology or service. To help cut through some of that noise, Recorded Future published a white paper, Best Practices for Applying Threat Intelligence. It's on their website, but we've got the report's author, Chris Pace, with us today to guide us through the white paper's key takeaways. Stay with us. I think like many technologies um, or emerging ideas, uh, the ideas themselves or even the capabilities that a thing might have seem great. But actually, the most important thing is how, how applicable is it? Can I, can I use it? Chris Pace is a technology advocate at Recorded Future. And to give an example, you know, you think about something like Google Glass. I mean, great idea, loads of capability, but actually where it ended up falling down was there wasn't really an application for it. People didn't know how this thing was going to work in the real world. And we ended up in a place, threat intelligence isn't quite as you know, not as quite as bad as that, but we are definitely in a place where threat intelligence is a is a much vaunted used buzzword, but we haven't yet got to the point where people really understand, okay, now I know how to apply that intelligence to help secure my organization. And that's really what we wanted to help people do. So let's go through some of the key points in the white paper. What do people need to know? Again, just sort of from a high level. I think one of the things that we were really keen to do from the outset was ensure that people could understand what threat intelligence is, but really importantly, what it, what it isn't. Um, and, and again, this is what happens when, you know, as, as buzzwords, I mean, the lifetime of a buzzword, um, you know, there's a moment where really people are just using that buzzword to define almost everything. Mm. Uh, and that's why we were really keen to lay out very clearly what is the important distinction between, you know, data versus information versus intelligence, and then helping to understand which of the types of intelligence that are available might be most practically useful uh, to, to you. Um, so really, that was really where we wanted to begin. And then the next phases were about, you know, understanding different uh, sources of intelligence and, and how, they're, how they're not the same, uh, and then really getting into understanding where the benefit of intelligence is for your own particular need, for your particular uh, business case. And this, again, is another area where we see people flounder sometimes. They think or they know that they need to do threat intelligence, but they then get caught up in what's the box that I need to tick or what's the lowest bar for entry rather than stepping back and understanding where it can be of real benefit to their business and applying it there. That's the kind of information that we wanted to get across in this in this new white paper. Well, let's dig into that then. Uh, what is threat intelligence and what is it not? Threat intelligence certainly isn't threat data. Um, that's a common misconception. And that's probably because there's just so much data available, tons and tons and tons of it. Um, but actually, that 
data is largely useless if there isn't a way to transform it into something actionable. Action, actually, in order for that data to then become information, we have to be able to collect those uh, data points and make some kind of decision about them. And then for that information to become intelligence, we have to be able to, to have a uh, an outcome from that information. So actually, in terms of the volume of intelligence that's available, let's say the volume of intelligence around a new threat or a new vulnerability or a new exploit, actually the volume of intelligence might be quite small um, in comparison to the volume of data, but actually the intelligence is is much more uh, focused, it's much more usable. So although there are less outputs, if you like, there's less intelligence product, um, what there actually is, is, is more potentially more useful insight. And so when something like threat intelligence does reach what we, what we call, you know, buzzword status, how do mm. you cut through that? How do you avoid uh, all of the hype that comes with that? Well, of course, it all boils down to application. The questions that you need to be asking are, what are the security challenges that I face? Where do I see my uh, risk surface exists? And once I have a, a strong understanding of that, and that's informed by all kinds of things, it's informed by historical information, it's informed by uh, potentially um, breaches or response to incidents, it's informed by the kind of uh, industry that you, that you may be operating. So once you understand all of those things and you're able to have a better understanding of your threat surface, at that point, then you can begin to look at where you might be able to layer intelligence to help that process. And, and one of the reasons that we're not necessarily seeing that that happen in the in the universe of the of threat intelligence as a buzzword is because very often the easiest method for entry um, which is seen as being um, threat feeds or technical data, and I think that's something to do with the nature of, um, you know, the nature of the, the the market, if you like. The people who are looking for this intelligence maybe come from that more technical background. We see people accessing threat feeds, which is essentially an awful lot of data, um, and actually they don't have a way of turning that into intelligence. So it becomes almost counterintuitive. It's better not to start with the technology. It's better to start with how are you looking to use something like intelligence to advantage your business from a security standpoint. Yeah, looking through the report, there's a section all about uh, the various sources of threat data and why they aren't intelligence. Yeah, and that's really important as well, because often we're seeing every source of threat data I imaginable, whether it's from, you know, highly narrative sources like uh, social media or blog posts or news sites, right to, you know, technical um, or, or potentially even uh, information that exists on the, the dark web. We're seeing all of this kind of raw, what we would call threat source data. We're seeing that categorized as, as intelligence. Um, and actually, until there is a process applied to that data and that process needs to be refining it identifying relationships between those data points and ultimately outputting intelligence they just exist as as data and that's really the question that you need to be asking when you think when you're thinking about how to begin to use intelligence is actually is what I'm proposing to access and use either for analysis or for ingesting into my existing technologies, is that inf information or that data, is it just data or is it actually intelligence? Um, and that's really, a, that's really a key question. Uh, the important thing also to point out, though, is that, you know, 
there there is an awful lot of usable data uh, available in you know places like social media um, forums definitely the dark web we've seen an increase in people looking to uncover uh, information from from the dark web all of that data is um, is potentially useful but in order for it to be applicable it needs context and in order for there to be context it needs some kind of analysis applied to it well, let's slide into that. The The white paper describes what, what is a threat intelligence balancing act between time and context. Uh, take us through that. Like everything in security, there's always a there's always a balance. You know, we've we've heard the balance between simplicity and security before. The balance between time, you know, time and and security. And, and in this case, actually, in terms of intelligence, time is in there um, because we want to get access to you know timely and relevant uh, information and intelligence. But also, context is there because without context that intelligence won't have relevance. So if I go back to the threat feeds example, threat feeds are, are very rapid. Um, they provide you with uh, with information uh, quickly, but that information lacks context. It's very binary. You know, is it, a, is it a thing, you know, an IP address, a domain, whatever? Is it a thing? And is it bad or good? Those are essentially the only decisions that you can make when you're accessing information from a threat feed. And then right at the other end of the scale, highly contextualized analysis-led reports that are delivered by a provider, they provide great context. They might provide you with all of the indicators for a particular threat. Let's say they're examining a vulnerability or an exploit. They'll give you all of the information that you need, the places where it's originated, the technology that's being targeted. But very often, that takes a long time to produce. Um, and again, this is where we see that you know technology is really the, the key way of changing how we approach uh, collection and analysis of intelligence. By applying uh, technology to this mass of data, we can get to context much, much quicker. Yeah, the report also uh, mentions the, the problem of alert fatigue. So one of the reasons people are so focused on uh, alert fatigue and are particularly interested in how intelligence might be able to combat that is because it's actually en ended up as a result of the collection of more data. So originally when we began to um, look at SIM systems, things that were collecting and aggregating log data, we thought this was a great way to identify anomalous behaviors across our network or find you know, uh, unusual looking activity or potentially suspicious or malicious activity across networks, identify them and close them down. And of course, naturally then what happened is we've seen an explosion in available data. That means we're seeing a lot more alerts. But the problem is that most organizations don't have more people to deal with them. Those security operations staff are dealing with masses of alerts every day. The survey that we quote in the in the white paper says that something like 40% of analysts don't have the intelligence they need to investigate those alerts. And more than a third are now ignoring those alerts just because of the number of false positives. So by taking external intelligence and applying it to that internal log data, you can begin to drive down the decision time. If I'm looking at an alert and I'm looking at it currently without any external intelligence, so all I'm able to do is perhaps do some Googling around, maybe correlate against a, a threat feed to see whether it's bad or good. I'm either at a point where I don't have the information that I need or I'm at a point where it's now going to take me um, more time. Or worst case scenario, I've already got you know a list of 
other alerts and so potentially I'm going to pass this one over because I don't think it's important. So by providing intelligence with context, we can allow people to make really rapid decisions inside security operations so that they can you know, be much more efficient at doing their work. And that's a place where you know, threat intelligence really plays into to increasing efficiency and not just security for organizations. The white paper lists several best practices for utilizing threat intelligence. Can you take us through some of those? Yeah, so again, this goes back to the idea that in a way, the worst place you can start with looking to implement threat intelligence is by beginning with the technology or the service or the, you know, the company or, or, or whatever it is. That's not a good place to begin by trying to understand how you're going to use intelligence. Actually, the best way to begin to define your your strategy is to understand your greatest risk, know which areas of your information security strategy you've already invested in. So that example I gave about security operations and alert fatigue, if you know you've made an investment in security operations or an incident response or or whatever it is, look to find ways to augment intelligence with that investment. And also, importantly, identify the human resources as well as the capacity or the, the budget, all those things. Look at what of those things you have available in order to balance how you might implement intelligence. And, and as an example here, um, imagine if you had a situation where you think your your threat surface is leading you towards making an investment in, uh, you know, a full-on analysis of intelligence or uncovering emerging threats or threat hunting or or whatever you you think that kind of quite high grade effort, um, the reality is that if you don't have uh, the human resources or the budget um, capacity to be able to you know to be able to absorb that. It's, a, it's kind of a waste of your time investigating it. So you'll, you're going to need to balance those three areas, you know, risk, existing investment and capacity, and then look at the places um, where intelligence can work inside your organization. For someone who is investigating threat intelligence, you know, just dipping their toes in the water and trying to figure out how it's going to be a part of their processes, of their mm. cybersecurity, what do they need to know? How do you begin? Yeah, I mean that. Of course, with with everything, um, you know, where you where you start is very often the the, the hardest parts. Like looking at a like looking at a blank piece of paper. Um, so what we've tried to do is we we've built out a pathway, if you like, a very simple a very simple pathway, but that gives people a a good indication of where they may want to um, to to make investment. And we we also give some uh, examples in there as well. But just to to talk a little more about that, these three phases, if you like, the first of those is is around uh, monitoring. And the reason that it's at the beginning is that it um, potentially doesn't require you to invest in uh, in people, you know, to, to be continually doing analysis of intelligence. It's something that you can configure. You can um, monitor for mentions of your brand, perhaps mentions of technologies that you're using, perhaps new exploits or, or vulnerabilities that are specific to your, your technologies, maybe for threats that are targeting your particular industry. And, and in this case, it's a reactive thing. And I think it's important to say that, you know, reactive in this case, we shouldn't see that as a negative thing. If you're doing no threat intelligence to doing reactive threat intelligence, that's a good beginning. So alerting and monitoring is a, is a, is a great starting point. Then to think about integrating intelligence with existing technology. We already talked a little bit about this when we mentioned uh, alert fatigue. So 
being able to automatically correlate intelligence into your existing security technologies. It's a great place to begin if you've already made significant investments in those technologies and you want to maximize the benefit out of them. And then really the, the final phase, the final stage of implementing threat intelligence is, is full-on threat analysis, uncovering and investigating new threats and what we would call producing intelligence. And that will require investment in not just in technologies, but potentially also in the right people or the right service providers. But those are really the kind of uh, three phases of applying threat intelligence. Our thanks to Chris Pace for joining us. You can download the free white paper, Best Practices for Threat Intelligence, from the Recorded Future website. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Future Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web, cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com slash intel. You can also find more intelligence analysis at recordedfuture.com slash blog. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast team includes coordinating producer Amanda McKeown, executive producer Greg Barrett. The show is produced by Pratt Street Media with editor John Petrick, executive editor Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. 